0: We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So, who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat. The place to up level that sexy life of yours. With expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Kat. We are in sweater weather season now. Truthfully, my favorite time of the year with all of my favorite sensual pleasures, pumpkin spice, everything, and sweet, sweet lovemaking by an open, fiery hot fire. And in celebration, I am releasing to you five episodes as a part of my sensual series here on Eat, Play, Sex. As per Dr. Cat style, this is the real shit and nothing fluffy or faux flowery here. We get into the tough, controversial, and applicable conversations with some of the leading experts in the field of sensuality. From business talk about burnout and sensuality as medicine to social segmentation of being sensual, being a sexual person from other aspects of our lives, political discussions about who owns our bodies, and how to release the body from tension and trauma. Yep, we go there. And to further support your sensual lifestyle, I've made a guide for you a sensual Sunday's guide that is chock full of all of my favorite sensual products and weekly ritual to introduce a sensual relationship to you and your body. So head over to sexloveyoga.com or the link here in the show notes to access it today. So let's get into the discussion for today that I feel the burning hot fires of anger and passion in my own body. Who owns our body really. And this is so important to tune into as we start our conversations about sensuality because sensuality is the platonic relationship that we have with our body and the world through our five senses. And if we can't recognize that we are the owners of our bodies or even how we and the culture is perpetuating the fear of being in or enjoying our bodies, then how are we ever going to be able to not only access our pleasure, but access our power on a deeper level. Women have been fighting for ownership of their bodies for decades. And as far as we've come with our rights and our own political uprising around this, we are still having arguments about who gets to decide what we do with our bodies. And surprise, it's not really us. As women, we have been conditioned to walk this earth in fear. Fear of being attacked, ridiculed for our size, our shape, the color of our skin, or the way that we're supposed to dress. And some of us more than others, depending on the experiences that we've had in our lives, to create that internal structure of fear. But We've also been taught to compete against our other sisters, to tear them down, to make ourselves better or more successful. We've been taught that our bodies are for the entertainment and the enjoyment of other people. So don't dress or act or flirt or even walk by in a way that would excite somebody's sexual desire because it's your fault. You're the one communicating. Come get it. And you're the one who has to deal with the consequences thereafter. As women, unfortunately, we walk this earth for the most part hypervigilant. We can't go down a street at nighttime without holding our keys specifically in our hand in case somebody comes to attack us. And again, some of us more than others. Our nervous system is already activated in a stress for survival and this is a deep cultural wounding that we hold as a collective on guard acting as our own protector because the society at large that we've raised is not empathetic to the experience or the care of the woman but rather blaming her Now, I'm not generalizing every person as a predator, nor am I promoting toxic masculinity. What I am talking about is a body terrorism that exists. And I guarantee every single one of us contributes, whether we are conscious of it or not. Anytime we are looking in the mirror and we are calling ourselves fat or ugly or we're pointing out um, different parts of our body that we don't like we'd rather be different. Or any time that we're blasting someone else about being fat, about the color of their skin, about making fun of their clothing choices, or telling them how they can or cannot express their sexuality. This is an act of terrorism. This further implies that our body's authentic expression is wrong and someone else knows how it needs to be, act, or be seen. Add to that, The systemic trauma for people of color. Imagine the very concept of a person's body and their authentic skin color is wrong. This is fucked up. And their nervous systems are on high alert picking up in the environment the cues of potential danger. One of my favorite books that expands on so many of the topics that we'll be talking about today, and including what I just said, is my body is not an apology. Fuck, when I read that book, I was in literal tears. Because we don't want to accept that we contribute to this feeling of unsafety. And safety for being in our bodies as much as this culture around us perpetuates it. And it's through these conversations that we can come together and make a change it's to stop terrorizing our own body or that of a sister. I was recently shopping with a dear friend of mine who was looking for something to wear to a women's retreat she picked out a sarong and crop top and then showed it to me, but she would she was super hesitant, saying that this is gonna make the guys give me the wrong attention. They're gonna think that I'm asking for it. And this statement hit me like a ton of bricks. And for a couple of reasons. The first, I, I fully admit that I was hit with shock. You know, how? Could this mentality still exists today when we've had so much progressive movement around women's liberation and especially around women's sexual liberation. And then my second thought was, okay, yeah, actually, I have definitely and continue to receive attention, whether that is in person or online, of very lewd, inappropriate comments that weren't consensual. Like, I get that I am an expert on sensuality and sexuality. I get that I talk about very openly around how to have better sex lives. (laughs) And I even post these beautiful pictures, these very artful pictures of intimacy and of bodies. But none of this is an invitation to receive the DMs But even text messages or calls to my professional psychotherapy line of men jerking off, telling me about how hot I am or what they want to do with me or sending me pictures of incredibly lewd scenes or stories about me, I... Don't ask for any of this. None of this is consensual. And this is the part that we don't talk about as sex therapists, as sex educators, that we are putting ourselves out there and it's vulnerable. And I get that the more that we become public figures, we are subject to receiving the projections of other people. Then I had a thought remembering the voice of my young 22-year-old who wore a slutty Halloween costume for the first time in Hollywood. And I was petrified of what this would give others to mean. You know, how would this be perceived by them? Would they think that I'm available for unwanted sexual attention or touch? And at this point, sex was deeply scary to me. And yet this was the first time that I actually leaned into that edge and tried, tried that part on <laughs> showing more skin. And, and it wasn't even that revealing <laughs> either. I think it showed my belly button. And so as quickly as these thoughts ran through my head, I also thought After my response to her of, no, you should get it. You should try it on at least. (laughs) Um, That I, Dr. Kat, am a a product of 13 years of work in clearing the trauma in my body of Finding the recognition of a sense of inner safety, of identifying the fucked up cultural pro- programs and judgments that limited my personal authenticity and power and developing a strong relationship to my body through sensuality and finding and creating the, the uh, community that resonates with that and, and creates more of that safety for me and the other women in it to become fully expressed. And so it's through the years of doing this deep work that I've created these reference points for myself. It's not so much that the culture has changed. It has somewhat, but it still can feel really unsafe at times, including for myself. But I've also created so many resources and inner shifts to be able to not get overwhelmed or feel scared when I receive these messages or when I receive that attention. Like I couldn't, I, I understand that I, I, Dr. Kat have these, uh, resources and skills of boundaries of an activated voice, you know, where I can speak for myself, which I, you know, I will say has come a lot through over the years of producing my podcast, uh, for those of you who've started with me from the beginning, or maybe if you're just tuning in and want to hear my own personal voice evolution, listen to some of the first episodes of my podcast where I'm with a uh, with my co-host who is very outspoken, very uh, forward, and you can hear how my voice, even though I'm smart and intelligent and all these, th- these things, I was still a lot more quiet and less Sharing of my own intimate personal experiences. A lot of it was more academic, and then as you see the progression of the episodes, uh, she left to start her own part podcast. I continued on with this one, and I had to develop my my voice. And it started out with just asking the questions that I wanted to know, and then it evolved into becoming more fluid and and more uh, strong in my own voice and curiosity and, and, and improv. So this takes time is basically what I'm saying. This is a practice. And it's an important practice. It's an important practice if we have any sort of desire to change the culture and to change the world that we walk through, to one that is more safe for us, to be authentic, to be connected and to be sensual in our bodies and in the pleasure of our bodies, then we need to we need to do this. And that's what inspired this series. One in three women, in the U.S. are sexually abused throughout her lifetime. And who gets to discuss in detail the events and the opinions about rape cases in court? Primarily, people who are not involved in the crime themselves. So, many women, myself included, never did anything or do anything about the rape because they either don't think that they will be believed don't want to be re-traumatized by the retelling of the story in court, don't want to hurt another person or ruin their life, or have convinced themselves that it wasn't rape and it was their fault somehow. Our brain has an amazing way of filtering things through why why I'm the responsible party here, Why I'm at fault so that we can reduce the likelihood in the future, because we have more control over ourselves than we do the external external environment. I know, wild. Women's bodies have also been used for decades as a political tool. And this topic of this whole episode came to me amid the most recent political discussions around reproduction rights. And truly, truly. This isn't new, but there have been massive setbacks to a woman's decision for herself. And these conversations and policies are primarily discussed and not decided upon by women, but by men. And no hate on men in general, I love you deeply. But the fact that decisions about women's bodies and what they can do with them are primarily made in politics that are dominated by men And this makes me feel so sick. The Texas law, Senate Bill 8 which prohibits abortions whenever an ultrasound can detect what lawmakers defined as a fetal quote-unquote heartbeat, which can be as early as six weeks into a pregnancy. And further, the law allows private citizens to sue abortion providers and anyone else who helps a woman obtain an abortion, including those who give a ride like Uber or Lyft to a clinic or even someone who provides financial assistance to get an abortion. Private citizens who bring these suits don't even have any connections with the people that they're suing. And there aren't repercussions for those people bringing these to court. They actually have the potential of getting rewarded $10,000. And this law makes no exception for cases involving rape or incest. So even in the cases where a woman says no, or does not want, does not consent to sex, doesn't have any say within what happens to her body. To break this down for you, most women do not know that they are pregnant before six weeks. Medical and legal experts say that even this bill is misleading because embryos don't possess a heart at that developmental stage. So the Supreme Court chose not to block this bill either, which means that it went into full effect and doctors have already been taken to court. This isn't actually going to stop abortions, but of course, this wasn't thought through very carefully women are still going to seek alternative solutions to abortions, whether that's going out of state to clinics or it's using self-managed procedures like an abortion pill or home remedies that may actually cause health damage to the woman or illegal medical procedures that may not be sanitary or regulated. I mean, please, have you seen the movie Dirty Dancing? We have evidence that abortions are still happening in countries that outlaw it. Close to 70,000 women a year die from unsafe abortion, and numerous others suffer grave injuries, including infection, hemorrhaging, infertility. And this is worldwide. And what's even more sickening is that banning abortion at six weeks harms BIPOC, Latinx, LGBTQ and low-income people the most. The average person seeking an abortion in Texas must drive 248 miles to the nearest clinic who will perform an abortion after six weeks. So for context, that's nearly the equivalent of the distance from Miami to Cuba. And that's expensive, especially if you don't even have transportation for yourself. And if you're one of those seeking help, and support. You can check out needabortion.org for information about your, your options. And instead of banning abortions, if you want to reduce it, then there should be a better plan at making abortions less necessary. So unintended pregnancies could be reduced significantly if we showed true commitment to comprehensive sexuality education with more accurate information about abstinence, about contraception, about even pleasure, truthfully. I think, in my personal opinion, I think if we taught how to be more reverent around sexuality and really take care of our bodies and even understand how our bodies operate, because there's so much that I've learned as a sex educator that I did not learn in my grade school or my high school. I also believe that there needs to be more insurance coverages to be able to help us, whether through our process of family planning. Um, We also need greater access to emergency contraceptions or to programs that curb domestic violence and sexual abuse. And here's the bottom line. If you believe that women should be free to have sex, but not free to have abortions, then we are further perpetuating this message that a woman's body is for the objectification, the entertainment, the pleasure of others. And yet she's the one who has to hold the consequences, her body, her mental health. And it's certainly not the men who have put these laws into effect, which brings me to my next Point of conversation. Let's talk about Britney. It's been in the news about Britney's 13 year long conservatorship that the court recently replaced her father as the lead conservator. If you haven't seen one of the many documentaries highlighting the bullshit, Britney versus Spears gives you the disgusting details. She was constantly surrounded by security, medical staff, chaperones 24 7. She had complained about no privacy, even when she was getting dressed. She was given medical, quote-unquote, drugs to keep her energy up for concerts and tours, but also lithium to keep her sedated during the times that she wasn't working. She was denied taking a break from touring and endured a grueling schedule under the guise that this was good for Britney's mental health, being in the environment that she loved so much. When Brittany wanted to get married or have a baby while under this conservatorship, they forced her to get an IUD and refused her request to have it taken out. Whatever your feelings are about Brittany aside, this is a woman whose very rights about her own body were abused and controlled against her own will to live life the way she desires. How can anyone ever build the necessary skills required for self-care and self-trust if she is repeatedly given the messages that she's crazy, that she, can't take, that she can't make good decisions for herself, instead of teaching her how to do it, of teaching her how to set boundaries, of teaching her how to listen to her body. And instead, it was just removed altogether. We need to develop this relationship with our body. We need sensuality in our life to be able to discern, and I love that word so much, but to be able to discern good judgment. Because our body has its own natural body intelligence. You hear me talk about it on the show all the time. But if we don't learn how to decipher between... or or to really translate the cues of the body, then we're left in confusion. And that confusion can create a lot of mistrust in ourselves. But in order to listen to the body, we need to be able to learn how to self-regulate, calm the nervous system down, to be able to hear and talk to the parts in us that are trying to communicate that there's something dangerous in the environment or something's going on, or we need something. But we have developed such a shutdown of this inner voice because we run by the programming that our body has to look uh, look a certain way. So when our body's hungry, we tell it, no, you're not hungry, or you're going to eat this, not this, because this is going to make you fat. And these authentic desires, these authentic messages in our body, we now translate to being very dif- uh, dangerous. Because if we don't conform to what society says we're supposed to do, society's standards, then now we're very aware of this risk of being rejected We're not belonging. And in our nervous system, that is so related to our survival. If I don't belong to this group, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to be able to get my needs met? So what are we doing regularly to connect with the body? For me, some of my favorite practices and what's transformed me is a devotion to body worship. And I invested in a giant mirror that I dance in front of every day. I caress my own body. I self-pleasure. And even in those days where it's hard for me to even feel because I feel disconnected or I've run myself through, coming back to that practice helps to melt the armor and reconnect me. Sensuality also doesn't have to be a grand old thing. It can also be putting lotion on our bodies after a hot shower or a bath. Self-pleasure practices. Dancing to our favorite song. Eating foods that we want and really being present and enjoying it. Lighting a candle. Almost three years ago now, I had started this undone sensual yoga experience with my friend, Lena Ozea, who's an incredible DJ and singer-songwriter, but this class was inspired by both of our own personal journeys towards body love and affection. Having struggled with that ourselves in different ways, we Felt it was important to create a safe container for women to start on that journey for themselves. And so we had set up in this giant loft in downtown LA, set candles everywhere, up lights everywhere. It was super dark and and sexy and invited women to come and practice the slower sensual yoga and breath work in their underwear. Afterward, we'd get together and over snacks and brownies, <laughs> we would talk about what came up in us. And the shares of the women were so powerful and so potent. I Women who had experienced rape, women who had gone through abortions, women who were so afraid of what they felt in their body or afraid of letting go, women who shamed their own body women who were afraid to express themselves since then we have taught this class internationally we've taught this class at large-scale events and festivals and we even now have our regular retreat about undoing these cultural messages around what it means to be in our body What it means to be a sensual woman, and what it means to be in a sisterhood of other women who are revealing themselves. So, today the class has evolved into becoming a brilliant blend of short yoga sequences to connect us to the body, ecstatic dance to expand the body, and breath work to crack open the body. And what makes this class, what makes this whole undone series unique? is that element of coming to our mat in our underwear and whatever that means to the woman. Because honoring her own personal edge and desire and what feels good for her, teaching her to hold herself and make those decisions for herself in a safe container. We let go of our self-judgment or we meet that self-judgment face to face And we get to know what it feels like for our skin to touch on our skin as we move the way our body wants to. Because if we don't develop the sensual relationship with our bodies and with our sisters, then we are continuing to perpetuate a culture of body terrorism and the rights to those bodies. Our next Undone class will be online on October 24th and it's themed Reborn. As we emerge from our pandemic cocoon, (laughs) we may need a little help reconnecting with that sensual side of our bodies. So what's a better way of joining sisters in this collective fight against body terrorism? The link is in the show notes or head over to UndoneYoga.com. This change starts with us, but we need to create an intimate supporting system. So send this episode to your best girlfriend and start a dialogue about your own experiences and your needs. Each week for the next five weeks, you'll be getting more powerful conversations and practices to applying sensuality in your daily life. Nothing fluffy, I promise. Just the real, hard, good shit. Start out by downloading my free Sensual Sundays guide and hit me up on Instagram as sexloveyoga where I want to hear how this series is inspiring you. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better. So you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy.